Well, first of all, I just want to say a special thank you to our seminarian, Luke Martin. I know at first you're probably thinking, wow, Flora's voice has really changed. But that's not what happened. Uh, Luke is filling in for Flora, who's getting a much well-deserved break this weekend at a family reunion. So I just want to say thank you to Luke and all of you for jumping in. I thought the glory was beautiful this morning. Uh, And I want to tell you a little bit about a tradition that's kind of developed in my family over the last couple of years, and one for which I'm very grateful. My sister, uh, the last, I don't even know how many summers now, has been coming down to spend time with my parents who live in Charlotte, and she brings all the kids with her. And she has six now, so that's become more and more of an exciting time when they're all here. And then I get the chance to see them more, and it's just awesome. And well, I decided this year I'm going to do something kind of adventurous. And a couple weeks ago, I took the oldest three on a little hiking, camping adventure. Now, I'm not adventurous enough to go uh, tent camping. We uh, got we borrowed a little a little house, a little cabin up in Roaring Gap, which is near Stone Mountain. It's like an hour and a half from here. It was great, but I'll tell you. Um, so it was a nine, a seven, and a five-year-old. I think it's good for any priest to get to do something like this because if nothing else, it helps us, I think, to be a little bit more sympathetic in the confessional. Uh, when we hear, <laughs> I was impatient with my children. Why? They're perfect little angels. Well, guess what? Um, you know, it's just one of those things where you just never know what's coming, do you? It's pretty exciting. So all of a sudden, I'm a plumber and everything else. It's just great. So, you know, we had a wonderful time. It was a two-night stay, and on the Monday in between, I took them to Stone Mountain State Park, and we did the Stone Mountain Loop. And this is the thing, I've done this with my friends before. I mean, Father Paul McNulty and I, we knocked that out with no problem. So of course, a nine, seven, and five-year-old would be fine with it, right? And I was like, okay, here's the thing, guys. We're gonna do the hard part first, and then the rest should be pretty easy because it's like you have a choice on this loop to go right up the mountain in the beginning. And I warned them about that, and quite frankly, they handled that like champs. I mean, it wasn't until like the last quarter of the big steep, steep ascent. It was like, this is really hard. I'm like, I know, we're going to make it. It's going to be awesome. We only took like two water breaks on the way up in the first part. Starting to get a little bit edgy, not happy. But once we got to the top of the mountain, it was fantastic. I mean, we were sitting there. The views up there are incredible. We had snack time. We're drinking some water. And we brought some Gatorade. Like, we're just taking on. It was great. And one of my nephews goes, this is the best day of my life. I'm like, this is awesome. Like, it's so good. We're so happy. And then we started on the rest of the loop once we had wrapped up snack time. And I think we had taken 12 steps by the time my nephew said, I'm tired. Why do we do this? I hate this. Like, great. Isn't this wonderful? And at this point, it's like I knew that we were on the loop. And I knew that we had about... I don't know, maybe a quarter of the loop done. And like an idiot, I never really thought to look, how long is this anyway? Um, But I just kept encouraging them, you're going to love it, you're going to love it. And we had some fun along the way. They were fine once we got to the waterfalls, but not happy again later on. And at the end, we went and checked. And the whole loop, just for future reference, it's four and a half miles. And on the scale of like, you know, moderate, medium, it's strenuous. So I just assumed that my five, seven, and nine-year-old friends would be just fine. Well, just word to the wise, there it is. But it's funny how you can look at that, right, and think like we go from literally being on the top of the mountain and then saying, this is incredible, it's so great, I love this, 
and it took like no time at all for them to go to, I hate this, why are we here? And the thing is, it's easy to say, well, it's just five and seven-year-olds who say this. But let's look at the scriptures, shall we? I mean, the first reading from Exodus, this is chapter 16 that we get the first reading today, right? Just want to let you know, chapter 14 was the parting of the Red Sea and moving them through it. 15, it's them rejoicing about, you know, that God has delivered his people through the Red Sea. His enemies, he's cast into the sea. You know, Pharaoh and all of his forces, his great military power. God has overcome them and crushed them, the ones who are crushing the Israelites. And then today, as though it never even happened, the community grumbled against Moses. Oh, if only we could just be back in Egypt, right? And then you think, well... Once we move beyond the Old Testament, we get into the New Testament, and the Son of God is actually present, of course, everybody will be fine. Remember last week when Christ fed the 5,000 and they wanted to make him king? This is literally tomorrow. And they come up and they say, and I love the irony, what sign can you do? You know, it's happened so fast. They forget so quickly what has just happened. And by the way, if you looked last week, I think we ended at verse 15 of John 6. Today we pick up at verse 24. Just to let you know the interim, Jesus walked on the water. So it's like there's all these incredible things that are happening, and yet, what sign can you do? And here's the thing, we all do it, right? We all go through these things where it's like we can be at the top of the mountain. We can see the fact that things are good. We know that when we've been close to him, there are these moments where it works out well. And quite frankly, I think it's got to be the case for all of us, at least on some level, or you wouldn't be here at 8 o'clock in the morning and you wouldn't have sung the Gloria like you did. It sounded beautiful this morning. It's like we know we need to be there and yet... We all fall into the trap of grumbling. It's not like you can just say, it's only those five and seven-year-olds, it's only the Israelites, it's only the people who are literally right next to Christ. It's us too, okay? And we all know this, but the thing is, our Lord continues to draw us to himself, continues, thanks be to God, to be more faithful to us than we often are to him. And so the important thing is that we keep drawing close to the one who is the bread of life, who has come into the world to do so much more than to just fill our bellies, but to ultimately lead us to that bread that fulfills us into eternal life, that relationship with him. And the thing that I would say is, you know, just like reminding my, my nephews, it's like, guys, you're going to love this, I promise. Now, here's the thing. I'm fallen, right? I'm not Jesus, you know, leading us through life. I'm not the Heavenly Father leading them through the desert. This is me going, I'm sure they can do this loop. They're really going to enjoy it. And they did in the end. But, you know, I did work it out as well as I should have. In life... God knows where he's leading us. He knows that he's leading us on towards sanctity, towards heaven. And as we move through these things with his help, he continues to lead us to that ultimate fulfillment, the fulfillment of all desire with him. You may remember a couple of weeks ago when the deacon gave his wonderful homily, he encouraged us to come to daily mass. And I get it. We can't all come to Mass every single day. In fact, because of the way I keep working out the schedule, the deacon can't even right now come to Mass every day, even though he wants to. And he reminds me of this like all the time, that I'm not helping him out there. And I feel bad for it, but we're going to keep going, right? But the thing is, we do have an opportunity to draw close to him. 
we just have this tendency to forget how good it can be. And not just with daily mass, but the other thing we have here that's so good, and it's there in so many different parishes all over the place, we have frequent opportunities for adoration, right? That every single Wednesday night, after the 515 Mass, we expose the Blessed Sacrament on the altar. And the Blessed Sacrament is exposed all night long until benediction before the morning Mass. And every first Friday, we have all day and all night adoration. And I gotta be honest with you, it's been harder and harder to fill those times on first Friday. And I would just call you to that fact of knowing we have this opportunity to return to the bread of life, to, re- to be there in his presence, to come to know him better and better, because ultimately, it's that that's going to sort of quell our grumbling. When we grow in that relationship with him, when we sit in his presence and come to know him better and better, all of a sudden, it's like the difficulties that the Israelites were seeing in the desert. You know, the, the, the quick changing of our own attitudes and our emotions and all that, it starts to calm down more and more. But the problem is, like so many different things that are good for us, right? It's like we do it once and it's awesome. I remember this Jim Gaffigan thing where he's talking about, you know, he's going to start working out. And he worked out and he's like, working out is great. I'm going to do this every day. And then the next morning, well, not every day. And then, you know, it's just more and more. We do that all the time, right? I'm the same way. Like, I, I have uh, this wonderful thing at Planet Fitness. I give them a donation every month. But the problem is, their hours just aren't good for me. They're only open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And I just can't fit that into my schedule, right? So look at this. First Friday every month, from after the 7 a.m. Mass until before the 8 o'clock Mass on Saturday. There's got to be somewhere in there or somewhere on Wednesday night, all night long, right? To just come and be with him. And you may remember a couple years ago, it was in October of 2019, we decided to do this new thing here at Sacred Heart. So, you know, every year, the first full week of October, we priests go on a priest retreat. So all of us are up in Maggie Valley, so there aren't masses being celebrated here anyway. But we decided to institute 24, ad- 24 hours of adoration all week long. And just going into that week, my grandmother passed away. We had a priest who was visiting, Father Peter Devereaux, who was here for a Regnum Christi retreat. And I heard about his homily where he said that you all are going into a period of perpetual adoration. It will change your parish. And the incredible thing is, he must have preached really well because all of the spots were filled. There were people who never go to adoration who came, and I heard nothing but praise when I came back. People saying that this was incredible, we love this, we've got to do this again. But the trouble is, we can so easily be like the Israelites, be like the people around Jesus, we forget so quickly. And even if we have that mountaintop experience, almost to me it's like, ugh. I can't do that, I can't sit there, I can't be, and just to let you know, I do the same thing. When my alarm goes off in the morning to come here and make my holy hour, I don't leap out of bed and say, huzzah, the new morning, you know? It doesn't happen, right? So often it's not, good morning, God, it's good God, it's morning, you know? We all know that feeling, and yet, the beautiful thing for us is that Jesus remains with us. And even if we grumble like the Israelites, even if we ask again and again, what sign can you do? He stays in our presence. And so the important thing, I think, is just to be reminded and called out once again, come to him. He is the bread of life. 
We talked about this on the catechism show the other day. There's a line in one of the prefaces for daily mass, common preface number four if you want to look it up. And it says that our gift of thanksgiving is itself your gift. That notice this, that when we act like the Israelites, when we grumble our way through lives, that's not making us happy, right? But when we come to him, when we sit at the feet of the bread of life, who wants to nourish us, who wants to draw us to himself, who tells us that when we come to him, we will not hunger and will not thirst, when we overcome that hump, right, of getting out of our daily routine and coming to be with him, our gift of thanksgiving is itself his gift to us. When we take the time to come and know him better, ultimately, my friends, life takes on better meaning. That he has come to lead us out of the grumbling because that itself can become a personal hell. That ultimately he's come to bring us out of that into love with him. Yes, we start to grumble pretty easily. We can be like the people in the gospel today. But thanks be to God, he stays with us. He continues to tell us every single day, this is my body, which is given up for you. He's inviting you into that relationship with him, into that time with him each and every day, reminding you that he is the bread of life. My brothers and sisters in Christ, come to him. Praise be Jesus Christ, now and forever.